And all God's people said, Amen. That was good. Open your Bibles again to the book of Ezekiel. Uh, the book of Ezekiel in chapter 16. This is a long chapter. And I wish we had the time to go through all of the chapter and not just the time, but the willingness to give all of our heart and mind and attention to what goes on in the chapter. But I want to preach the message that we find here, and it is God's wooing grace to a nation. God's wooing grace to a nation. And uh, we find a nation that has uh, turned their back on God. We read in our text verses what God had done for them. I want you to look at verse number 14, what the Bible says. And thy renown went forth among the heathen for thy beauty. For it was perfect through my comeliness which I had put upon thee, saith the Lord God. Now that's a far cry from where he found them in the beginning of the chapter. Look at verse 15. But thou didst trust in thine own beauty and playedest the harlot because of thy renown and pourest out thy fornication on everyone that passed by. His it was. In this chapter, God deals with the people of the city of Jerusalem and he works to woo them back to him. Heavenly Father, I pray that you bless the preaching of your word. Lord, there are two things I desire to accomplish tonight. First of all, I desire that we would be reminded of how good you are to us. How good you've been to us. And then, Lord, to call those that may not be pleasing you with their life to a decision of rededication and a decision of recommitment of their life to you. I ask it for wisdom as I preach your word. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. As you go through the chapter, you'll find that God is calling his people back to him by reminding them of how good he has been to them. He reminds them of how much he has loved them and how much he has cared for them. He reminds them that they were nothing. They were nobody. They were slaves in Egypt and that he had made a great nation out of them that were once a nobody in this world. Remember... God is wooing them back to him. You know, I think it's an amazing thing that God wants to fellowship with me. I think it's an amazing thing that God wants us to spend time with him. God wants us to think about him. God wants us to talk to him. And when we are away from him in our attitude, our hearts and our minds, God does not push us away or show no care but God works to woo us back into that fellowship with him. As I read this chapter, I'm reminded of the most difficult thing that I work uh, with as a pastor, the most heart-rending thing, and that is uh, to help parents with uh, wayward children. I do not know if there is a pain that is equal to the pain of a broken-hearted father and mother 
for a child that is out of the will of God, especially that has gone to the place of danger, not only in the danger of the sin of the world, but danger of the judgment hand of God. There folks here tonight, I pray for you and I pray with you as you have a broken heart of a child or a grandchild that is away from God. Parents are willing to forgive, to forget, to start all over, even when the child has hurt them, has done them wrong and broken their hearts. That's exactly the feeling I get when I read this chapter and my heart hurts for God as God works to woo a wayward nation and wayward children back to him. Now you and I, let's face it, are often tempted by our flesh to follow that which allows our flesh to do as it pleases. Whether we call it an idol or whatever it may be, we are tempted to find justification to allow our flesh to do as it pleases. But the result of doing what we please rather than God's will always brings harm and eventually destruction. I'll say it again. I want you to make sure you get what I said. The result of doing as we please rather than doing the will of God always brings us harm and most often destruction. So I have to work to keep my flesh under subjection and yielded to the will of God in my life. Sometimes we need to just remember where we were when God found us and when God saved us and gave us what we have. And so in the first part of the message, and I'll not read all of the verses, but in the first five verses, God reminds the nation of how they were when he found them. And he described them in a very pitiful condition. He describes them as a newborn baby that had never been cared for, that had never been cleaned up, that had never been swaddled, but left lying in their birthed condition waiting for death. There was no one to care for them. There was no way as an infant they could care for themselves. And God reminds them, that's how it was when I found you. Romans 5.8 often becomes words that we memorize rather than words we think of. But God commendeth his love toward us and that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. I think when I read this passage of scripture, I thought of how Mary gave birth to Jesus. And though she was not in one of the rooms in the inn, and though she did not have the wealth and they were a very poor people, in fact, some folks disrespected them and said, can anything good come from Nazareth? And they saw them as a poor people. But even though when Jesus was born, she didn't have the best to wrap him in, she loved him. She cleaned him. She cared for him. The Bible says she wrapped him in swaddling clothes and she laid him in a manger. When I see this picture, I see a newborn child in its birthing condition 
having not been cleaned, having not been loved, having not been cared for. Young people, I want you to pay attention to what I'm about to tell you. I fear that those of us that had the opportunity to grow up in church in a Christian home, we often never see ourselves as sinners. We, we see ourselves as pretty good people. We look at the world and we say, well, we've, we've never been in adultery and we've never been in drunkenness and we've never been in the sins of the world. And by comparison, we see ourselves pretty good. But you know how God sees us? He sees us in our sinful condition just as this baby that had never been cleaned or loved or cared for. And I want you tonight to understand, if you don't see where you were when God came to us, we'll never enjoy nor will we rejoice in the goodness of God. May I say, had God not come to us, dear friend, we would have died in our sin. We would have died and gone to a devil's hell. We had no help. We had no hope. We were of ourselves helpless and hopeless. I witnessed to a man one time that told me, he said, there's no way that God could save me. And uh, I, I didn't know why. And I told him that God would save anyone. And I witnessed to him, I gave him the gospel and I told him of every person I could think of in the Bible that was a bad person or a worse sinner and that how that God had saved them. And then one day, it was some weeks later, I was in my office at the church and this would have been more than 30 years ago. I was a young pastor at Bible Baptist Church in Hazard and that man, a knock came on my door and that man came in and he said, I, 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 I wish, he said, what you told me, I really been thinking about that and I wish God would save me. I wish he could save me, but he can't. And I said, why would you think that God couldn't save you? And, and, and as he began to confess his sin, I got scared. Uh, every sin he confessed, I got more scared. As he told uh, how he'd lived not only in, in the sins of the world, but had taken the lives of people. He told me, I've worked as a hitman for others and I've killed people in cold blood just for money. And I thought, I'm afraid. I'm a, I, I, I hope you're serious while you're here. Hope you're not working for one of them now. But I, but I, re, I recall how he, uh, uh, how he was brokenhearted. I never could convince him. He left in anguish thinking God couldn't save him. Now you and I tonight, uh, while we have never been in that condition, we often see ourselves as good people. And I fear one of the reasons we're not as committed uh, to Christ as we should is we don't see where God brought us from. And in this passage, he gives that picture of where they were. So often in our pride, we are like children who play with costumes and costume jewelry and play money as if we're kings and queens and princes and rulers when the truth is we're nothing but sinners that are saved by the grace of God. 
we get filled with pride. We see how we are in the blessings of God rather than where we were when God found us. It would do our nation good to rehearse its history as the crowd today is working to destroy the history of America to go back and see how simple of a people we were. And our army was a sad excuse for a, an organized army as far as material and weaponry was concerned. Ah, but we were a people that trusted in God and God took us as a ragtag group of people and God made America the nation that it is today because of the faith of our founding fathers. We act like we're the wealthiest people. The truth is America's in greater debt than it's ever been and what a shame the condition our nation is in tonight and we're just like this nation was but may I say in this chapter though the book is about judgment you find the good grace and the wooing grace of God to say please come back I want you to love me I want you to serve me because I desire to bless you again the second part of the chapter talks about the compassion of God toward us now we see what God has done for us. If we see where we were, we can rejoice in what God has done for us. In these verses, God pictures himself as one passing by, seeing this newborn child left in its condition of dirt and death, and God sees himself as the one that sees the baby cleans the baby, rescues the child, and makes it a child of blessing. He goes down and gives detail. He said, I gave you beautiful clothes to wear. I gave you bracelets and necklaces as he's dressing a little girl to make her pretty for church. He said, I made you a princess. I made you what you are. And friend, as you go through these verses and you realize what God has done for us, oh, what joy and gladness, oh, what happiness that it brings to a heart and mind that dwells on the goodness of God. Let me give you a little outline of what I find in these verses. First of all, he came to us in our sinful condition. He came to us as we were. Aren't you glad? Luke chapter 19, the Bible says in verse number 10, and the, for the Son of Man is come to seek and save that which is lost. I hear folks say this. They, they, they say, well, I'm thankful for people who love me as I am. Let me, let me tell you something. God loved all of us as we are. But he loved us enough to change us from who we were to what we ought to be. This crowd today that says, I'm just looking for people who will accept me who I am. What they're saying is, I want to stay who I am. I don't want to be changed, but thank God he didn't save me to leave me. He saved me to change me. He didn't find the baby and leave it in its blood and dirt and filth. He picked the baby up and the Bible said he made it a new creature. I'm glad that he loves me where I am. He came to where I was and he loved me in my condition. I want you to notice the second thing that happened. Not only did he love me in my condition, 
He covered us with himself. Look at verse number 8. In the middle of the verse, I spread my skirt over thee and covered thy nakedness. Now, there's a lot of things we could say about that. First of all, uh, that covering brings a comfort. Uh, you, you, you see a baby. Uh, I've I, I picked up little babies before and uh, try to get them to be quiet. I throw them in the air, and they do be quiet until I catch them. They start crying again. My wife said, give me that baby. You don't know how to take care of that baby. And uh, she'll take that baby, and she'll take that blanket and pull it tight and, uh, and, and swaddle that baby and then pull it up close. And sure enough, that little baby, uh, it, 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 it'll be quiet and go to sleep. I'm thankful as he took this little baby and the Bible said he covered it with himself. There is a comfort that comes from his covering. Not only is there a comfort that comes, there is a claiming uh, that comes. The Bible tells us in the book of Isaiah that he's clothed me with the garments of salvation in my condition, in my sin. I am nothing but a sinner and I don't stand before God in my sin I don't stand before God without my sin in my nakedness. I stand before God covered with the garment of salvation and I'm acceptable because of his covering. But not only did he do that, he also claimed to us in this verse number 8, the Bible tells us that he covered us, uh, uh, covered thy nakedness, yea, I swear unto thee, I unto thee, he claimed us. He wasn't speaking to the world. He was speaking to me as one in the world. I'm glad the Bible said for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever I'm glad I'm one I'm a whosoever. He loves all the whosoevers in the world. Not only did he come to me in my condition. Not only did he cover me with the garments of his salvation. He claimed me as his own. I'm glad tonight that I can say though I was nothing I am now a child of the king I am his and he is mine not only did he do that <clears throat> the Bible said he made a covenant with us now I like the word covenant because a covenant that's different than a contract a contract is between two people and a contract can be broken but he made a covenant as he did with Abraham. He made a promise and that covenant is eternal and binding. Once I am a child of God, I always will be a child of God. I have an inheritance in heaven. I have a home in heaven. I have an eternity in heaven. I'm glad tonight that he made a covenant with me. I'm glad that in my weakness, his strength is still perfect. I'm glad that in my failure, his faithfulness is still what it always has been. I'm glad in my weakness that he's never weak, but he's always strong. Thank God for the covenant that he made with me. I'm glad he came to me in my condition. I'm glad that he covered me with his garment of salvation. I'm glad he claimed me as his own. I'm glad he made a covenant with me. And then verse number nine, I love this. Then washed I thee with water. I'm glad he cleaned us up. I'm glad when the Lord saved my soul, he didn't whitewash my life. He washed me whiter than snow. There's a great big difference. He didn't whitewash, that's to cover. But he washed me and made me whiter than snow. Psalm 
I'm sorry, Isaiah chapter 1 and verse number 18. Do you remember Brother Roloff singing the song, Dark the stain that soiled man's nature, long the distance that he fell, far removed from hope and heaven into deep despair and hell. But there was a fountain opened and the blood of God's own Son. It purifies the soul and reaches deeper than the stain has gone. So praise the Lord for full salvation. God still reigns upon his throne. And I know the blood still reaches deeper than the stain has gone. I'm glad tonight that he didn't just whitewash me. He made me whiter than snow. The rest of that song is good. It goes like this. Conscience of the deep pollution. Sinners wander in the night. Though they hear the shepherds calling, they still fear to face the light. This, the blessed consolation, that can melt the heart of stone. That sweet balm of Gilead reaches deeper than the stain has gone. All unworthy, we who've wondered, and our eyes are wet with tears as we think of the love that sought us through the weary, wasted years. Yet the walk, the whole, yet we walk the holy highway, walking by God's grace alone, knowing Calvary's fountain reaches deeper than the stain has gone. I like this. When with holy choirs we're standing in the presence of the King and our souls are lost in wonder while the white-robed choirs sing, then we'll praise the name of Jesus with the millions round the throne. Praise Him for the power that reaches Deeper than the stain has gone. I had a good time before you ever got here tonight. I've been at home. I've been here this evening. Just, I've just been singing. Well, praise the Lord for full salvation. I'm glad tonight that he came to me in my condition. I'm glad when he found me, he didn't leave me. I'm glad he covered me with a garment of salvation. Not only did he cover me, dear friend, he clothed me, he comforted me, he claimed me as mine. He made me a covenant that is eternal. Though I'm weak, he's strong. Though I'm filled with fear, he's filled with faithfulness. Though I'm a failure, he's always faithful. And I'm glad tonight he didn't whitewash me, but he made me wider than snow I'm glad in verse number 9 he completely cured us when he made us a new creature in Christ I'm not a changed creature I'm a new creature he didn't treat me or vaccinate me he cured me and thank God I won't need a booster I got all I needed when I got into the fountain the fountain of Calvary. I mean, he's not finished. He consecrated me. Look in verse number 9. 
Look at verse number 9. Aren't you glad that I'm not going through all 63 verses tonight? Look at verse number 9. Then washed I thee with water. Yea, I truly washed away thy blood from thee. Then he said, I anointed thee with oil. You know what that means? He consecrated us. You know what consecrated means? It means to fulfill God's will. It means to fill the hand. It means to put my life in God's hand. He didn't save me to make me somebody for me. He didn't save me. He talked about, and you would think he's talking about America that built fancy buildings for others to see and brag on. He, he said you built monuments. You built, you built things for folks to come and look at and gaze upon so your pride would be satisfied. And rather than you giving me the glory for it, you took it all for yourself and you played the harlot. But wait a minute. I'm not here to cast you off. I'm not here to throw you away. I'm here to remind you that I made an everlasting covenant with you. I am yours and you're mine. I want you to come back to my love. I want you to come back to the place of obedience. Now I come to the last part of the message tonight. And I just simply want to say, folks, of all God's done for us, we cannot worship any other. And I want to ask you tonight, I'm going to look right at you, and I want to ask you point blank. Is your life bringing glory to God tonight? Is your life bringing glory to God? He said, I took you from nothing but death. I cleaned you up. I dressed you. I made you beautiful. I made you so attractive that others looked at you and gave their attention to you. And I did that so you would bring glory to me. I ask you tonight, are we bringing glory to God? And if not, I want to tell you, then you ought to rededicate your life to Christ and Christ alone. You know, I have nothing to boast of but Christ tonight. I looked across this beautiful property today. I rehearsed in my heart and mind all of God's blessings of these 30 plus years together. I thought of all of the big things. I tried to think of all of the little things and the good things that God has blessed us with. There are folks that have driven from across the country just to be in a church service here at our church. A few weeks ago, a dear family in there, no doubt watching tonight, drove all the way from Winston-Salem, North Carolina area just to be in church. The young man said to his parents when they said, what, what do you want for Christmas? He said, I want to go to church at Clay's Mill. I want to hear Brother Fugit preach. And they brought him, and we enjoyed time together. I'm, I'm so thankful. Folks come to our church to conferences, uh, for youth conference, and they come for the church growth conference. Oh, but wait a minute. Oh, church, listen to me. Hey, folks online, listen to me. It's not about who you and I are. Everything we have, God gave it to us. Every blessing we enjoy, God gave it to us. Help us never to say to others, look at us. But may we always say, look to the one that blessed those that love him and want to give him the honor and glory for all he's done. I want to say tonight, how could we serve anyone 
but our Savior. All Satan has ever done for us is give us what we need to destroy our lives. Satan cannot supply our needs. He cannot satisfy our soul. He cannot help us in the time of trouble. I can't figure how and why we could allow God to bring us from the depths of sin and bless our lives and we use that to do anything but bring honor and glory to God. Take your Bibles and go to Galatians chapter 4 and I'm finished with this. Is your life bringing glory to Christ tonight? Paul wrote to the church at Galatians, if you recall, and it was difficult times of transition as they had gone from going to the temple and gone from the Old Testament economy of worship where they had offered the animal sacrifices and Christ had fulfilled the law. And now rather than offer a lamb or offer a sacrifice, Christ is our all in all and we worship him and he replaces the sacrifices that we pray through our Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. He replaced all of those things. We worship and we come to church on Sunday as we begin the first day of the week because that's the day that Christ rose from the dead. In the book of Galatians, they said yes, you may be saved by grace, but you still have to keep all of the law. Paul said, who has bewitched you? you, you that, that's not true. We're not only saved by grace, we live in grace. I want you to see how Paul words it. If you'll follow me in Galatians chapter 4, look at verse number 3. Even so we, when we were children, were in bondage under the elements of the world. But when the fullness of time was come, God sent forth his son, made of a woman, made under the law, to redeem them that were under the law, that we might receive the adoption of sons. And because ye are sons, God hath sent forth the spirit of his son into your hearts, crying, Abba, Father. That could be translated, Dear Daddy, Abba, Father. Look at verse number 7. Wherefore thou art no more a servant but a son. And if a son, then an heir of God through Christ. Stay with me now. Howbeit then, when ye knew not God, ye did service unto them that by nature are no gods. But now, after ye have known God, or rather are known of God, how turn ye again to the weak? and beggarly elements, whereunto you desire again to be in bondage. Is that what you want? Do you want to go back to the bondage of your sin? Do you see what Paul's saying? Look at verse number 10. You observe days and months and times and years. I'm afraid of you, lest I have bestowed upon you labor in vain. Brethren, I beseech you, be as I am, for I am as ye are, Ye have not injured me at all. And Paul goes on to tell them, Look, God saved you from the elements of the world. And he gave you a glorious life and an inheritance in Christ. Don't go back to the beggarly elements of the world. May I say tonight, we don't need to go to the world for our entertainment. We don't need to go to the world for our fellowship and fun. We're a child of the king. Let's remember where we were and what he's done for us. And may our lives bring glory and praise to the Lamb. Stand with me, if you will, tonight.